This is the Power Your Edge podcast, where we share with you the voices of creatives. You will learn, grow, and laugh with us as we hear from people who are the same as us, their journey, their tools, their gems, and their wisdom, coming together to power your edge. And now, here is your host, Malky Skolnick, founder at The Bold Edge, digital course creator, email marketing magician, app junkie, and systems fanatic. Welcome to this week's episode of the Power Your Edge podcast. Today we have with us Chaya Fishman, who is the president of BrandRight Marketing Group. BrandRight is a company that focuses on delivering to their customers effective and goal-oriented graphic design, web design, and branding services, and really any kind of design service that will help their clients increase their bottom line with a hassle-free experience. Chaya, could you get us started off with actually where you started off? Yeah, for sure. So I got my bachelor's degree in liberal arts, believe it or not. And I really focused on the graphic design programs, understanding how printing works and things like that. I finished my college education, I guess you would say. I went to Malwood in Baltimore. And I then got my first job as a, basically like a secretary, pretty much, where officially I was doing like desktop publishing and the like, making flyers for the teachers and things like that. Like really nothing super exciting, actually. And then I actually got married, moved to New York. I was working for a company called Rush King Promotions, where I was doing like imprints. Basically every day I was just like redrawing people's logos It was a good job. And my skills really at that point were just like very subpar. I had a kid or two and I started working for my father-in-law just because it made sense. He has a photography studio in Brooklyn. It's called Visual Image. And I started working there. I learned Photoshop very well, obviously, when I was in that job where I made myself a job there. But at the same time, I was doing like a lot of freelance work. As over the years, my freelance work grew tremendously because I had a rule and I'm not sure it was a good rule, but we can talk about that soon, that I didn't turn out a job no matter what. There was just no such thing. The way I looked at it was that every job was a client. So I was able to build up my client base enough that eventually I was able to leave my job and work just for myself. And then there's this kind of history, if you want, we can go into that as well, of how I really built my company. Now we're 17 people. I don't design anything anymore. (laughs) believe it or not, I really am to make sure that the business runs. As I went on, I, I really mastered every part of the company and then handed it off to somebody else. That's really how I grew. So would you say right now, do you miss the creative part or you're happy with your role of the management, the marketing, actually bringing in the business? So I think that's a really great question. I actually see that creeping up in my employees as well. Those have been promoted to managers are telling me that as well. So it's something that I already am like way used to. I would say that happened like a good six years ago by me. So it's something I'm very used to. It's a tough question because obviously there was a big trade-off here. When I gave up my design work, obviously I was building a company. And I think that in a certain sense excites me more because I have a huge responsibility to my family. So to me, that's like where my passion and life supported my family, making sure that we have what we need and obviously a growing business supports that. So I would say that at a certain point, maybe design was like so important. And yeah, design is important, but at a certain point as a mother, you know, I have a whole bunch of kids can I and that's even more important so yeah I love designing things 
But at the same time, if I were designing things every day, I wouldn't be where I am now. It's just not possible to have the best of both worlds, in my opinion. Now, you can have a good world. You can be a very good designer and make a really nice amount of money. But if you want to have a company that's going to generate revenue for you while you do nothing, it's not possible to really hold on to the design that tightly. I do oversee the projects. So before they go out to the customer, I'll give my two cents. Once in a blue moon, I'll, you know, kick someone out of their chair for a minute. I'll say, can I spare a computer for a minute? And I'll play with their logos a little bit. And they're like, oh my gosh, it works so fast. I'm like, yeah, I used to do this for a living. And I, I actually used to be good at this, believe it or not. And it sometimes amazes them. But so I would say that really it, it was a trade-off and it wasn't a choice. It was something that happened naturally for me. And no, I don't come to her thinking like, I miss that. I can dabble in it whenever I feel like it. I just know that if I'm opening software on my computer, it means I'm doing the wrong thing. I should not be editing any files at this point in my business career. I even one time took on like a, I guess like New Year's resolution type of thing that I would not open up my software for three months because every time I did, I was not doing what I needed to do in order to make the company. So I'm curious that would you consider yourself a creative or would you consider yourself a business person? So hundred percent, I would consider myself a creative hundred percent. I've been forced into becoming a business person. I think I've always had it somewhere deep inside me, but like I never set out on my professional journey saying I'm going to open a business. It never happened. It was always like, this makes sense and this makes sense and this makes sense. And really I had my eyes on the prize of having something that's going to be able to seriously support my family. What the prize was not being the best designer on planet earth. I do think I'm a very solidly good designer and I, I train my staff that way. Does that answer your question? Yeah, for sure. I was just wondering once you go, cause I've spoken to other agency owners as well. And it's this sort of that grappling that you, when you switch over from being totally within the creative world, and then there's that crossover into the business world. And like you said, if you want your business to grow, you have to just let go of that part and just focus on, like you said, the prize. How do you keep yourself, your creative juices going? Like just satisfy that creative part of you. Sure. I'm surrounded by it every day. I'll be the boss in everyone's ears. <laughs> Not as much anymore because now there are managers underneath me that, that deal with the critiquing of the different projects. I see it right before it goes to the customer and it usually gets my blessing. It's very rare that I'll pull something and say, that's got to change. So I just need to just go into my office and it's everywhere. And when I'm selling a project, I get all excited about the different ideas we can come up with. And I sometimes come up with the different ideas for a project, but that's not official. I can be as immersive in the design process as I want, but I know the more I'm involved, the less effective I'm going to be in business. But when you say creative, it's not just creative. I happen to be a very creative person. It's not just creative in the design space. It's, it's creative in, in your everyday life. It's creative in running your business. If that doesn't take creativity, I don't know what does. For sure. I totally agree with that. There's definitely a lot of that. I think it's people also say creativity is that problem solving is like coming up with solutions for things that come up. And I'm sure there's things that come up every single day that just need to be troubleshot. So as like you said, you've gone on your journey, you started out as a freelancer. Now you're an agency owner. Have there been anything that has come up along the way that's sort of like those little roadblocks so okay so what do I do now 100% could you give me an example no so it's not does that ever happen that always happens so I would say that like some of the hardest roadblocks for me have been let's say and I think that a lot of the listeners are going to be able to like really resonate with this is be able to 
to give over something that you are very good at to someone who you don't think is as good as you are. Because we've worked so hard to refine our skills and it's not something we can teach to somebody. So how does somebody give over that to the next person? It's just not possible. It's just not possible. And you don't want to be putting out work that's not as good as what people hire you for. So that I would say was a very big challenge at a certain point. Now it's very much not a challenge. The way that I really viewed that and the way that I was able to get around that was that firstly, I never hired designers who were like amazing right at the gate. I really never did because I never could afford to pay that. Now things are a little bit differently, but that's how I really was starting out. So what I was doing was when I was still hands-on in this time period, what I would do is I would start out a little bit designing the beginning part of something and then let them take it over. Or I would do it the other way around. I tell them to do the research, play around, show me your artboard of logo element, and I'll throw it together at last minute. And then eventually with allowing them, I actually had a meeting this morning and I was telling them, you will never find a company that you will have this much flexibility to grow on your own. I said, it's because two reasons. One, because I trust you immensely that you will step up to the plate and get as good as you need to be. And two, because I don't have time to micromanage. So it's really both of those things. And I was able to really learn how to give these women and girls the ability to try and keep on trying as opposed to getting in their way and spoon feeding them. I'm not going to sit there and tell them they're going to ask me what font to use. I'm not going to tell them what font to use. I'm going to say, I don't like that. I think it looks too X or I think it looks too Y. If they can't figure out what I'm talking about, then they should Google classy brochure and understand what fonts are being used there. And I've really been able to give people the flexibility and opportunity to, to turn into really senior design. And some of them are still with me. Some of them are now on their own and doing fantastic work. And I'm really proud of them at what they've accomplished. So I would say that that was one big challenge. Another big challenge was really, actually, it's the same exact thing, is being very good at something and then being able to trust that someone can do it just as well as you because it's a real fear. So something that's very current is that I am doing all the sales for my company. So every sales call that comes in, I take it, I speak to the customer, Baruch Hashem has gotten to a point where I can't possibly speak to every customer who calls this company. It's not possible for me to spend that amount of time and then do all the follow-ups. So I really, I didn't know what to do. Plus, I eventually want to be able to take off a few weeks if I need to do that. And what was happening was if I would look at my numbers at the end of the month, if I like had a cold for the first week of the month, my books look different. Okay. A company my size, if Chaya has the sniffles, that's a problem. So I didn't even know how to handle that because I've worked very hard to become really solidly good at sales. And there's no way anyone can do it as good as I can. But I knew it was a big challenge, a big problem that had to be dealt with. So I started doing about six weeks ago, I started doing sales trainings where I sit down with a bunch of people in my office that are part of this kind of program and they get commission on certain projects and, and, and they're like knocking it out. They are making sales. And I'm just like, this is game changing, but it's no different. And once I realized it's no different, I became such a solidly good designer. I had to let go. I had to allow somebody to get as good as me. And the same thing with sales. Now I'm seeing with sales. So I think that's like a major roadblock that people will find is that they're too good at it, but you don't have an alternative. So make them as good at it. And you know what? Even if they're 85% as good at sales, I can't possibly keep up with all those sales. 
So I'm going to drop one. I'm going to drop one. And they're going to pick it up. So in the end, it's really going to even out. And in the end, it's actually going to be better for our company. So I would say that's really, I would say like a really fine detail. I could actually identify with that because I also deal with a lot of the sales calls. And I find that I think that like I could sell the company the best because I know it, I have the passion for it. And what I'm hearing from you is, and I totally, absolutely agree with you. This is like a lot of things I could give off. A lot of things could go off the plate, but I find the sales, I think it's with a lot of companies that goes last because you just feel so connected. But like you said, once you let go and you train people properly. I just have to trust. And we still have weekly meetings. We actually have one, I think on Thursday where we actually, and they're always hilarious. I'll pretend that I'm somebody who wants to make a like a website for socks that have holes in them. And it's just, it's tons of fun. We have a great time with it, but they need to know the lines I use and they need to know what they need to say. If someone says X, they need to understand all these different things that are just purely natural to me at this point, because I've been doing for years. So going from there, I'm just curious, like you said, you train your workers into various different parts of the business. You try it once or whatever, you become very solid, you hand it off. Do you have any specific systems in place or software that has helped you with giving it off? Okay. So I would say that I only have to give it off once. So for example, now I'm training a bunch of people in the office to work on the sales. Mm -hmm. So all those meetings are recorded. They're all videos now. And if someone else should join that group of women who are doing the selling, then they'll watch the video. So I don't have to do it once. The same way if a new employee comes in any department, it doesn't affect me at all because I have my employees train the new people. So it really, it it only happens the first time that you have to train somebody. I trained the designer so well, this designer who is now doing the, the managing of the design department that she now is training them. Now, She's definitely not like the best at being a manager because she was a designer, but all the mistakes that I made, I'm now teaching her. Like I just found out this morning, for example, because she's crazy busy. It's like insane. I found out that she's being CC'd on every single email that's leaving the art department. (laughs) But technically like this way, she was able to see where, like where things are holding. I said, no, 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 that's going to stop now. You don't need 8,000 emails. And we're going to make sure that our ClickUp, which is our, our like software that we use to manage all our projects, is consistently updated like by the second. You want to know what project's holding? That's how you know when the project's holding. So there's definitely fine tuning. And I definitely find I'm spending my time making sure that the departments are running the most efficiently and producing a product that our customers are going to be you know happy with and, and that we're going to be proud of. Yeah. So that's, I would say, with that is that you just sometimes... I, I need to be there in order to make sure that things are running smoothly, but that's like once a month for an hour or two hours. That's not on a daily basis. That's going to have to constantly be dealt with. Once it's dealt with, I shouldn't deal with that again. So moving on, we've heard about your journey. We've heard about the different ways that you have been able to hand stuff off and things like that. So how do you keep on top of trends? So in your case, we could be talking about designer trends, but we could also be talking about business and sales trends. How do you keep on top of it? So I'll just answer the business question first. I work with an operations consultant and a business consultant on a very regular basis. So in terms of the operation, I have somebody who works with me who helps me automate my ClickUp so that things run automatically. For example, let's say I have to have a project that the customer didn't get back to me for two weeks. So I shouldn't have to follow up with that customer. What I'm going to do is I'm going to flag it as a follow-up. And when it hits the due date, it's going to automatically send an email to that customer telling them that 
where the project's on hold and we really want to finish it for them and whatever it is. And I also went around the bottom, by the way, this is an automated message. We're trying to work smarter, not harder and or something like that. So they know that it's an automated message and then they'll respond mm-hmm. hopefully with the revisions that they want. And then as soon as that happens, the due date gets set for a week later and then the same thing will happen and will keep happening until they get back to us. So I would say that's what my operations consultant really does for me. Then I work with a business consultant who really helps me. I started about, I would say nine, 10 months ago, or even right after the heavy duty part of Corona was over. Really, I just, I really wanted to grow this year. And I just felt like I really needed help figuring out just how, and to be able to really, even if I knew how, I felt like I needed somebody to like bounce ideas off of. Um, and that's been working really effectively for me. And then in terms of the design trends, I would say that my designers are much more um, busy with that than I per se am. I'm a little bit more involved in the web design part of the business. So I definitely know what's out there in terms of functionality, in terms of styling, um, et cetera. But each employee does a nice, really massive amount of research before they begin every project. So we're constantly learning new things and we're constantly seeing what's being used and what's in style and what's really not. It's a very natural process for us designers, I think, because we so much want to consume design stuff that I really feel like a lot of that's natural. Definitely. And like you said, as part of the research process, not like you're forced, but it's just part of the process, being aware of what's out there, what the competition is doing, et cetera. So that totally makes sense. So you mentioned that you have a business consultant that you work with, an operational consultant. I'm just curious, what would you say has helped you really propel your business? There's the fact of going from like, you have one, two employees, but then to get to 17, what have you seen? What has helped you get to that stage? So I always follow the same rule. So I always follow the rule that whatever I'm doing, I need to hire someone to do it. Whatever I'm busy with, I need to not be busy with. So I always need to hire somebody to do whatever I'm busy doing. I'm always at the end of that, actually, believe it or not, which is wow. But anytime I'm doing something that's not at my pay grade, which I set at a certain dollar amount, someone else can do it for less money than that, and they do it. And that's been able to allow me to focus very heavily on sales, which is obviously how I've been able to afford to grow my staff. The way that I initially grew my company was really by two ways. One is never turning down a single job not recommended. And you can ask me about what mistakes in business I've made, and those are going to be one of them. So I'll I'll expand on that further. And I would say that the other one really is that whenever my plate is full, I hire somebody because what happens is when you're too busy, you can't sell as much as you have the potential to sell for two reasons. One reason is that you're too busy to actually go and make the sale. But the second reason is, for example, if let's say you're on the phone with a customer and you're making them a brochure and they ask, can I also email it? So if you're very busy, the answer is going to be, yeah, sure. You could just attach it. Okay. The answer, if you're not as busy, is going to be, yeah, for sure. Why don't we separate it and make it like a one page that'll scroll really long in a PDF and you'll use that for the emails. It'll be much easier to see. Obviously you're charging for that piece. So by default, since you have more time, you're ending up doing what's best for the customer because you have the time for that and happens to you get paid to end up making more money. It just, that's how it happens. In addition, if let's say you see someone on the block, someone on the block tells me, yeah, so I really need like a website for my company. Now, if we're drowning and we don't have enough manpower and I can't even breathe, 
then the answer is going to be like, oh, yeah, so I'm saying it costs X amount of money. If you're interested, let me know. That's how the conversation will go. If I handed off all my work to somebody else and had the time, I would say, oh, that's fantastic. Listen, why don't we go out on Tuesday for coffee and let's talk about it and see if it's something that we can do together. And then I'll follow up with her and then I'll land the job and then we'll get busier. So it's really, people don't realize that when they're too busy, they're sabotaging their businesses because they're not able to take on more. It's not possible. And by default, they're just, they're shutting out work that's sitting right there. And I think that makes a lot of sense. I think also the brain is just too cluttered, even though they would like more business. They just, they just can't mentally focus. And, and honestly, they're petrified of it. And I get that. They're petrified. Let's say we get that job. Oh my, we are not going to be able to handle that. Okay. We will hire someone to do that job. So basically if you'll get more than you could handle, you'll just hire somebody to just fill in whatever as you go along. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Let's go back. You mentioned that you have the, your biggest mistake. Okay. My biggest mistake. <laughs> we all, I think everybody loves to hear other people's mistakes. Right? Yeah. I don't know what yeah. that's about. I think on LinkedIn too, like people gravitate about all the different oopsie daisies that people do. Yeah, for sure. So I would say that my problem, my biggest mistake is I worked myself too hard too early on uh, because I thought it was the only way. I thought that in order to have a successful business, you had to work and turn yourself into a shamatha and not function and work until three in the morning and work two days after you had a baby and work while you're having babies and crazy stuff. I'm happy, obviously, that I made certain mistakes because that's how I grew my business and that's why I'm where I'm at today. But if I would do it again, I would do it very differently. I would have hired somebody about five years before I did, literally five years before I did. The first hire is a little bit different, but what I would have done is I would have hired somebody and I would have hired another person. Every time my plate got full, I would have hired another person because what happens is if you're able to build on their stuff, you are making money, no question. As long as everyone is busy, they're getting paid a fair hourly rate and you're charging a smart project-based rate, that's really what I would recommend more than an hourly rate. If everyone is busy all the time, you are making money. If you are not, you're doing something very wrong. So the first hire is always the hardest because what happens is if you work very quickly and very well, the problem is that you could technically do their job. You can't, you could do three quarters of that first person's job. What is happening with that last quarter of their day that you cannot physically or mentally or emotionally do is losing you money because you can't do that work. So if you want to make more than X amount a year, you have to hire people to work for you. Otherwise you will be stuck at a certain number. Unless you're going to start selling for tremendous amounts of money, that's an option too. You only work with very elite customers or you only put out a product that let's say, I don't know, a logo for $7,000. I, I don't, I'm just making up an example. So then, then it's possible to make real money. But beyond that, the really only way to do something is to let other people do it. And you have to trust that other people can get as good as you, believe it or not. And I think that a lot of us who've worked so hard to get to where we are now have gotten really good. And, and let's be real, there's nothing bashful about saying that you got really good. At, so then the people have to be trained. You have to break it down into a process. You got to teach people how to do it. And the other very important thing I think a lot of your listeners are going to be able to relate to is that I didn't take enough time for myself. Now, when I want to take time for myself, what I do is in the beginning of the week, I put an hour or two hours, wherever I need to put it. And that does not get canceled under any circumstances. It gets treated just as if it's a meeting with an important customer. 
And whether it's me taking a nap or it's me going out with a friend to pick up a coffee or me taking a walk, doesn't matter what it is, the same important as an intake meeting that I'm taking on a $25,000 job. It's just as important. It will not get canceled under any circumstances. And I had to make that set thing in my mind because what was happening was I was putting things on my schedule that I was going to do it and they kept getting canceled over and over because it was the only part of my calendar that was flexible. So yeah, that's really what I would say is really to take care of yourself. It has to be conscious effort. It's not something that's just going to happen. Okay. So I actually was going to ask you next, if you could leave us off with some inspirational words, but I think what you just mentioned, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm knowing you, Kai, you just make sure to like get it all in one time as compact as possible. Super efficient over here. Very efficient. You are super efficient. What I loved about what you just said is that we have to take care of ourselves. We need to, in order for us to be inspired, we have to be inspired by ourselves as well. And we can only do that by taking care of ourselves. Yeah, 100%. I think that's right on target. So on that note, Chaya, thank you so much for sharing with us your words of wisdom and all the tips that are going to be so helpful for those that work so hard. They are trying to fit so much into their day and to give them that chizuk and inspiration that they should hire somebody. They should hire more and they should hire faster because it's only going to get them farther. Even though it's scary, just jump in and just do it.